Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Now I want you to look at the first slide up there. The first slide, I know I'm, I'm, I usually start with a, with a scripture, but today I'm going to start with a, a point. The Ephesians church started off operating in a fiery love for the Lord and knowing the Lord's love for them as well. If we are going to be an Ephesians community, we must learn how to have a fiery love for the Lord. Watch this. And knowing the love of the Lord for ourselves. You can't have a fiery love for the Lord unless you know you're loved fierily to, from the Lord, if that makes sense. If, you're not, if you don't know that you are loved passionately from the Lord, we can never be an extravagant, loving church like we are if we don't know what the fuel of our love is. And so we have got to be a church that we're okay with loving hard because when you love hard, you could get to get hurt hard. But you, we got to be a church that loves God with abandonment. With It doesn't matter if mascara comes down your face. It doesn't matter if boogers are coming down your nose. You, 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 just, you don't have time to be cute, and you don't have time to get it all together. You're just like, Lord, I am just a wreck because of your love. May we never lose that. And I look at the stage, this is not in my notes, but I love the, the, the organicness and the authenticity of love and passion that I see on the stage. You got some people going, oh. You got some people leaning down. And you know what that is? Is there in a moment where like, I do not care what people think of me. I'm going to pour my love. The book of Ephesians, the church of Ephesians was known as fiery lovers. As a matter of fact, if you do your history, it was Paul the Apostle's prayer that got answered for that reality in the Ephesians church to be what it was. So imagine an apostle praying for Remnant Christian Center before Remnant Christian Center were birthed, and they prayed specifically this for us. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, Ephesians 3. Put it up there, Zach. Ephesians 3, look at what Paul the Apostle prayed would happen to the Ephesians church. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. This is a prayer, by the way. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. He's praying this to the Father on behalf of the Ephesians church. Watch this. To be strengthened with might through, his, through the Spirit in the inner man. All right, this is his prayer. Watch this. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in. Come on, rooted and grounded in. Are you ready for this? This is his prayer. Would, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Oh, I love this. What is the width, the length, the depth, the height? Watch this. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is, this is the Apostle Paul's prayer for the Ephesians church. He says, I want, Lord, I want the Ephesians church to know the height, the depth, the width, and the breadth, not of your ministry, not of your teaching, but of your love. I, I, I'm praying for the Ephesians church and those worldwide after that they would know the love of God that passes all understanding. Now, why is this important? Because 
That is always the Lord's goal, can I be honest, for every church, number one. The number one goal for every church before we do any activity is do we love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our strength, and all of our soul? And everything that we do, are we passionate, fiery lovers for God? Now, I want to pause and say this. Fiery, passionate love does not mean personality uh, quirks. Like, you're not more fiery if you're more loud, right? What I'm saying is you could be silent, you could be an introvert, and be burning for Jesus inside. You're aching. That's why they call it love sickness because there's an ache in your heart that says, I want Jesus more than I want church, more than I want ministry, more than I want my calling, more than I want revival. Listen, I, let me tell you, brothers, if you, want, if you want revival, get more of Jesus. And revival will be an automatic flow from that love, of, love affair with Jesus. But today, many in the body of Christ, your first love is not a fiery, passionate relationship and fellowship with Jesus. I have news for all of us, and I know this may sound elementary to some of you, but some of you guys, you guys, and I, and I say this to, to actually... Um, to encourage you. You actually have really healthy marriages, many of you. You guys really, you're, you really love your spouse. And you really love your children. But I want to tell you something that is kind of scary because we could get to a point that we're so close to our family that our family becomes our first love other than Jesus. And I know that's a really taboo thing to say at church because I'm not saying that you, I'm not saying this to be anti-family. I'm saying this, that Jesus wants to be your first desire of passion before your passion of, with your spouse or your children. So your first love and my first love is not our spouse. Your first love and our first love is not your children, those who have children. It's hard, right? It's hard. Your first love is not ministry, even the ministry that's shaking the world for good. That's good stuff. Your first love is a deep fellowship relationship with Jesus Christ. That's your first love. Not what you do, not how much money you make for the kingdom, is are you passionately in love with Jesus? You've heard this phrase before. Well, I love her, but I'm not in love with her, right? You've heard people that they've, they've been in relationship for about 20 years, and they tolerate each other, and they're like, well, I love her, or I love him, but I'm not in love with him. But you were at one time. At one time with your spouse, you were in love with your spouse. So what changed? Circumstance change that caused your heart not to be fiery to that person anymore. You're kind of tolerating that person. You love them because you need them and they need you. But do you think about them as often, ooh, as when you first, you know that giddiness. Come on, come on. You, you know what happens. When I, first, when I first was going out with Janice, I mean, I, woke up, I went to sleep with a smile and woke up with a smile. Really, I was like. And the devil, the devil was like, hey, 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 hey. And I was like, Janice. And you think I'm joking. I, I literally had to get to a point where I remember the spot where I was where the Holy Spirit convicted me and says, you love her more than you love me. I had totally, I was so in love with the idea of my future wife. Right? But that feeling is nothing compared to when you first get born again. 
and you first got born again, every one of you in here, you didn't know theology, you didn't know a lot about that stuff, you just know that wherever God encountered you, it was this unsatiable, unexplainable, this, the presence of God that just flowed through you, tears started coming down your eyes, you got saved, you got born again, and you were introduced to this love union with Jesus. That was the prayer of Paul the Apostle for the Ephesians church. Now watch. That slide up there, that next slide. Your first love is your loyalty, devotion, and obedience to the Lord Jesus. Right? That is what it is. That Ephesians 3 community of receiving the love of God and pouring out the love of God. It was a very vibrant church. But, and I love uh, Pastor John sowed this seed into me, so I want to release this to you. All right? I want to say this to you. I want to say this to you because I'm, I'm still on the first side of history. You haven't seen the second side of Ephesus yet. I'm going to get to the second side of Ephesus. Same church. Same church. Same church. Just 30 or 40 years later. What a drastic difference. But before we get to that, in the early stages, there was revival. I want to remind you, for those of you who weren't here, Ephesus had the greatest, many historians say, Ephesus had the greatest outpouring in terms of numbers of what we could document of all of the book of Acts. Greater than Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came and filled them in the upper room. Greater than Acts chapter 13 in Antioch where people came out of the city to hear Paul preach. You know what happened in Acts chapter 19 in Ephesus? For those of you who weren't here about three weeks ago, what happened in chapter 19, there was such a sovereign, fiery, passionate love of God for Jesus. Jesus, that it produced the fear of the Lord so much so that without a preacher preaching, people that were in the occult, in the occult of that city, practicing witchcraft, they all got their, their incantation memorabilia, the, whatever you want to call it, say, the, the demonic memorabilia, some of it may be music, some of it may be books. Some of it may be tarot cards. Some of it may be going to psychic. Whatever it is, they all in unison, the Bible said, they were so convicted in the city of Ephesus that they burned all those things. Modernized it, right? CDs, whatever it is. And the Bible in the NLT says was worth several millions, millions of dollars. Could you imagine what the church could do if the city got so... The city got so convicted that they'll start burning all the stuff and the proceeds, they give it to the house of the Lord for the work of the Lord. That's what happened, right? But that was in the early stages. We cannot truly love God until we first realize that he first loved us. Do you know that the Bible says before we love God, he first loved us? That produces fiery love. What produces fiery love? The knowledge to know that before you even had capacity to love God, he was passionately loving you. When you have that revelation, it will be easy to love a God that is so in love with you in your mistakes. Look at what 1 John chapter 4 says. Thank you for, to Pastor John for releasing that to me. First John chapter 4, verse 10 through 11, and then we're going to go through 18 through 19. Now, remember, this is the first side of history. This is the good side. Say the good side. I'm going to go a little bit to the second side, okay? First John 4, 10, 11. In this is love. Watch this. This is so powerful. Not that we love God. See, we, we can't boast in the fact that we love God very well. Well, I love God really good. Well, the reason you could, it's not that we love God, but that he loved us. 
and sent his son to be the appropriation of our sins. Look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. Beloved, if, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another, right? Now you skip to verse 18. Look at verse 18. There, oh, I love this. We, this could preach for a whole hour. A whole hour. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Let me pause and say this. Some of you heard this before, but some of you are new. Contrary to popular belief, the opposite of fear is not boldness. The opposite of fear is love. Because it doesn't say perfect boldness casts out fear. Come on, somebody. It says perfect love. So if there is a, a, a fear in your life, then we lack the revelation of love in our life. Right? Because fear and love involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Look at the next verse. For we love, we love him. Come on, say this with me. Say it out loud. We love him because... He first loved us. Wow. Read that again. We love him because he first loved us. Dissect that in your mind. We love him. We have the capacity to love God because the Bible says the Holy Spirit was shut abroad. The love of God was shut abroad in our hearts. That means the, the reason why you and I can love God so well is when we've been transformed by his love and know how much he loves us. Then we could say, oh, it's okay to run th- to his throne in boldness. I don't have to be afraid. I can love Jesus with all my heart. Come on, say amen. My prayer for Remnant Christian Center is that we will be a group of people that know God's love and that we love God well. Because when we love God well, we will love people well. I'm just telling you right now, when you and I love well, I was in, in the room, was about five or six of us there, and I told my leaders, I go, it's imperative that every time we go to church, especially when we are about to serve people, that we are filled with the Spirit. There's nothing worse than a, a prune-faced leader. I'm not talking about personality here, okay? <laughs> Everyone's kind of looking at somebody over here, you know? I'm talking about if you are not filled with God's love, can I just be honest with you? Everyone will begin to slowly be a burden in your life. <sighs> you know, people, people will become, be a burden. Be filled with love every day. Be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. My prayer is that this will be our calling. But it wasn't always this case for the Ephesians church. I'm going to tell you what happened now to the Ephesians church. And I want you to hear me very closely because it's good to, to shout now. In 2020, when, when we're cultivating a culture on purpose, on purpose, our leadership team, me, my leaders, on purpose, even when we don't feel well. If I could tell you what happened to me yesterday in my physical body, you will not think I'd be here. But you cultivate that love for Jesus no matter what. Slowly, what began to happen with the Ephesians church that was fiery, that was, can I just say 2020, that was wild, that was love, that was their services were filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what happened? After time, it started growing. Because of their love for God, it started growing, and they started paying attention more to how to build the ministry and the churches and meeting the people's need, and they lost relationship with Jesus. This great revival church, ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. This great revival church that was on fire for the Lord and that was 
passionately in love with God and they were known as fiery lovers, I want you to see what had happened because there's two sides of history of the Ephesians church. The, number one, you can put that on this slide. The first, first side is what we were talking about. Fiery love for God that produced great revival and effective ministry in their beginning days. Okay? Now look at number two. As years went by, I think, let's, let's get that second slide. There you go. As years went by, they focused more on growing and sustaining their ministry. Hear me, church. Rather than on the person of Jesus. I'm going to read that again. As years went by, the Ephesians church focused more on growing and sustaining their ministry. That means they still wanted to help people. They were in it for the good. But they focused so much on the machine that was called the ministry and the needs of the people that they still had outreach. Hear me, I'm gonna show it to you just in a couple seconds. They had effective outreach. They had effective people uh, giving to the poor. The Ephesian church actually stood up for righteousness and they, years later, they, they even tested apostles and the ministries that went to town and they, they tested them to see if they were true. And the, the Lord actually says, I like that about this church. But there's a couple, there's one main thing that I want you to do. Now, I want you to come with me because what I'm about to say is very important, okay? I'm about to read the book of Revelations. Now, this is, I've never said this before. The book of Revelations, Jesus talks, gives a message. He appears to John. Watch this. Please listen to me. This is golden, what I'm about to tell you. Most historians say about 40, 30 to 40 years later, 30 to 40 years later, while John was in the Isle of Patmos, okay, exiled because history says that they tried to boil him alive and he didn't get hurt. He still kept, he kept preaching the gospel. That's just not in the Bible, but history says that they tried to martyr him with burning him in oil and he just kept preaching the gospel. So they said, we don't know what to do with this guy. Let's exile him to the Isle of Patmos. All by himself, right? It was when he was by himself. Now watch this now. It was about 30 or 40 years later after the big revival culture at Ephesus. And watch this. Many of those people in the former days were like 20-year-olds, like some of the young adults. They were 20 years old when the revival in Acts chapter 19 hit. Now they're probably about 60 years old. And the Lord sends John to send a message to Ephesus. Now I want you to see, 30, 40 years later, the culture changed in that church and in that city. But the scary thing is that there were still people alive for both eras. There was people alive that were in their 20s or 30s that were still alive 30, 40 years later. And they were older and they had grown complacent in their walk with God. And look what Jesus says to John, the first church he addresses to send a message to. In, in Revelation chapter 2, you're getting anything this morning. All right, verse 1 through 5, look at what it says. To the angel, or that word angel is a messenger or leader of the church of Ephesus, write. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his hand. He's talking about the same Ephesus church that we've been talking about, okay? He who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. 
Now, I want you to read this closely because this is not all a rebuke. Many people that read Revelation chapter 2, they think the Lord is mad at everything. No, he actually admonishes three or four things that they're doing well. And by the way, if you know the Lord, he's not faking it, right? A lot of times he's, oh, he's just kind of patty-caking because he really wanted to give them the real rebuke. No, he's actually very happy with some of their works that they're doing. Watch what he says. He says, he says um, I know your works, your labor, your patience. I'm going to break that down in a second. That you cannot bear those who are evil. Don't you think that's a good church to belong to, right? Right now, this is a really good church to belong to. You, you're patient. You do, not, you, you do not put up with evil. That word patient is not the patient that we think of, of I'm patient because this person is getting on my nerves. I thought that's what it meant until I broke down the word. Patience there, it means not giving up when pressure hits you. You've been patient. In other words, you haven't given up, Jesus said. 40 years later, you, I love that you, the Ephesians church, does not give up easily when trials and tribulations comes in your life. I see that, and I love that about you. That's number one, right? right? Your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil and, and, and have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. Second and third thing is, there's a lot of churches that tolerate evil in 2020. A lot, lot of churches that in the midst of their ministry or in the midst of their city, they tolerate because they don't want to step on any toes. Jesus said, look, tell them also that I love that they stand for truth. They're zealous. Okay? They're zealous. And you have tested those who say they're apostles or are not. In other words, ministries have come by your city, and you've tested them, and you took flack for it, uh, Ephesus, and you have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored. For my name's sake, and you have not become weary. Pause. That's right now. This is wow. This is a great church, a great city. You've been patient. You haven't given up. You're doing outreaches. You're standing for the poor. They had a great outreach program, great justice program. You're standing up. You're standing firm. You're zealous. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you. I'm going to paraphrase, in the midst of all that you're doing for me, have left your first love. I want you to see how beautiful the Lord is because he didn't start off by saying, John, tell them that they left their first love, and I, I'm not okay with that. He actually says, look, I see what you're doing. I see that you're busy. I see that you're trying to reach people. I see that you're trying to reach your community. I see that you're trying to give to those who are in need. I see that you stand for justice, and I love that. But in the midst of all that, you are so concerned about meeting the people's needs and seeing growth in your church and in your city that you've lost your fiery love back when you had it 40 years ago in Acts chapter 19 when Paul prayed that you would know the height, the depth, the width, and the breadth of God's love. You no longer love me like you used to, and I'm not okay with that. You no longer love me. You're busy doing outreaches, you're busy giving to the poor, and you're busy making people connect right with me, but you yourself have lost passionate, fiery love for me, and I am not okay with you being at a distance with me, because I don't want to, I don't want you to work for me, I want you to work with me. I want you to, I, I want you to put that slide up, this is in essence what Jesus is saying, in essence, uh, put that slide up, uh, Zach, about working for me, uh, at working for me, and not, uh, not working for me, but working with me. 
I want you to see like what Jesus is basically saying to the, uh, to the, to the Ephesians church about 40 years later is this. I don't want you to work for me. I want you to work with me. I want you and I to partner together in fellowship and relationship. That church, let's just say like RCC, started off loving, each, loving God well, partnering with God. We're not just working for God, we're working with the Lord. And it's fellowship and it's intimacy and it's love and it's beautiful. And there's this divine exchange going on between Jesus and his people, and his people, and Jesus. And do you remember when you used to open up your Bible and tears used to come down your eyes because you used to read a verse and the tear dropped in the page and you noticed it dropped in the page? Do you remember the adventures that you had in your room where you actually smiled and laughed at what God was doing in your life? Oh, I remember, guys, years ago, when before I had a lot of responsibility, I was in my room, I could, I could picture it now, I was in my parents' room, and I was spending time with God, and I was just fellowshipping. And back in those days, you had a tape, glory to God. You had to push rewind, and I kept pushing rewind. And it was just this beautiful song. I forgot what it was, I was singing, but I was just so, my love for Jesus, I had no responsibilities. And I'll never forget, this is God honest truth. I, um, a couple of my friends were, were knocking. We were about to go. We were uh, to some place, some young adults we were going. They honked a horn. As I got up to leave, I heard in my spirit, just five more minutes. That's all, I, honest to God, that's all I heard. I said, could you give me five more minutes? And I just felt this yearning from the Lord that he wanted me just more for five more minutes. And I just cried. I never experienced that in my life. I cried. How can God Almighty want five more minutes with me? And I remember, this is true. I'm not trying to hype it up. I, I remember I was very young and I remember walking out and running to the car, and I could feel God, like, with me. Like, I could feel him, like, jogging with me. And I remember, do you remember those times when you had nothing, no ministry, no responsibility, and it was just you and Jesus? That's what Jesus is desiring for us to get back to again. That all the problems and all the weight and all the ministry responsibilities are still always gonna be there, but he wants your affection. Listen, he wants your love. Can I hear an amen? And, and this is why I say this, because Jesus comes in, and I want you to think about this, all right? It is like, now I'm, I'm gonna say something that, that, I, that I learned. Some historians say about this that John himself, during the revival days, right, in Antioch and in Ephesus, sorry, in Ephesus, that he was also passed through there a couple times to, to do pioneering work for that church in Ephesus that was fiery. Now here he is, an older man, and, and God comes to him in a vision and says, hey, remember that church that was fiery. Remember that church that you helped build the foundations with Paul and all these others, and you preached there several times to build that community. Yes, Lord, I remember Ephesus. He goes, tell them. Oh, that must have been hard for John. Tell them there's one 
thing that I am, they're missing and, they, and they're not okay with me. They have lost their first love. Now, I want to pause and say this. Them losing their first love in this context, in the scripture, was not them backsliding. And, and not wanting anything with the Lord. Because if it were so, he would not address those positive things that were happening in the church. What he's saying is, you're doing really good stuff for me. But you're worried so much about the work of the Lord that you forgot the Lord of the work. You forgot the Lord of the work and you're focusing so much on the work of the Lord that you forgot the Lord of the work. And by the way, can I say this, a tip? Fiery love is the recipe for non-burnout. When you do ministry to grow people and even to meet people's leave because you actually love God and you love people, you will begin to get burned out. And eventually, you won't want anything to do with ministry or people. So, so imagine this, imagine this. This, what, what Jesus is talking to, to John, is as if, I'm gonna give you examples, if I'm 80 years old, if I still live that long, right? Because I'm 40. Mm. Uh, somewhere in the 40s, right? And let's say 40 years later, I'm sitting up in a rocking chair. And I'm just watching, praying, whatever I'm doing. And the Lord supernaturally visits me. Th think about what I'm saying here. And he says, I want you to go back. This is what it's really, I want you to, this is what it was like. I want you to go back to Remnant Christian Center and tell them, I love that they're doing outreaches. I'll probably be like, oh, they're just still doing that. Glory to God. Uh, and, and tell them that I love that they're standing up for unrighteousness in the city. Oh, <laughs> yes, Lord, thank you. Oh, and tell them also that they've tested the false ministries, and I like that. Good, 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 good. Are you done? No, I got one more thing, George. Tell Remnant Christian Center that that fiery love that they were known for, they no longer have it. And I want you to give them that message that they no longer walk in community like they were known for. And they no longer walk in love. Could you imagine the difficulty of me, 80 years old, having to tell the future Remnant Christian Center that they no longer love well? I want you to get that. John was probably like, oh, Ephesus? It can't be Ephesus. Not Ephesus. <sighs> no, Lord, are you sure? Are you sure it's Ephesus? It's Ephesus. They're doing good stuff, but they've lost something. Now, we never get that place where we do the things of God without the God of the do. May we never lose that culture that we have here right now, this unapologetic, sloppy love for Jesus. Because true love is messy and it's sloppy. This reality of revelations of 40 years later is the same reality as if, think about this, as if a ministry like International House of Prayer, who's been in, founded by 24-7 prayer constantly for 20 years, if 40 years from now an angel of the Lord, the Lord would appear to the leadership there and say, go back and tell them that they've lost their prayer culture. Think about what I'm saying. 
So Ephesus had this culture. I feel the Holy Spirit. Forty years later, I'm going to say this really powerfully. I want you to zoom in on me. It was still popping in the natural. Hello? It was still um, active in the natural. To the natural eye, you would say, man, that is a, not, that's a mega church in the rising back in those days, in the, in the revelation days. It was still popping. But they had lost their oil. They had lost their intimacy. I wonder, I want to pause here and ask, how many of us are busy because we love the Lord that our, our spiritual tank is empty, not from strength necessarily, but from our reservoir of our love to God? Our love, our passion, our worship, our, our extravagant love to God, where has that gone to in your personal life? Let me tell you something. Love, fiery love, is contagious to people. And when you and I walk in fiery love, it will be contagious to people to say, I think and I realize that that should be normal Christianity. Not coming to church. I have news for you. Coming to church does not, is not contagious to anybody. Coming to church is not contagious, but I tell you what is contagious, your fiery love for Jesus. Your fiery love for Jesus will be infectious because everywhere you go, the love of God will be squeezing out of you. But you have the responsibility to cultivate that, watch this, watch this, watch this, in your private time. If all you do is wait to church to extravagantly love on God... You are not going to be knowing what the, the, the intimate love of Jesus is for your everyday life. I heard years ago someone, a pastor say, don't expect your pastor to give you in two hours what you haven't given yourself all week. If you haven't opened up the Bible all week, and you haven't loved on God, come on somebody, and you haven't prayed, and you haven't worshipped, and you haven't had that CD and put it on repeat, whatever you got to do, and just lift up your hands to the Lord while you're in your car, and you have no distractions, and you expect your pastor to give you what you haven't given yourself in two hours, you will be disappointed when you go to church. There's no way I could fulfill all your needs in two hours if you haven't cultivated fiery love for yourself. You and I have to fire, have to get on fiery love every day. What does that mean? Take, get away every day in your life and cultivate your love for Jesus. How do you do that? Simply say, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Whatever song you have to do, get in his word. Get in his presence. Get in his, come on, get in there. And when you do... I, I'm, I just feel this right now. There's many of you, you're operating on old manna. I just heard that. You, many of you are operating on old manna. In other words, you know what to do because it's been part of you for 20 years. You know church culture, so you know what to do. You know how to help people very well. But if you examine yourself, how's your prayer life? How, how's your worship life? Do you have a set of time to pray? God, help us, Jesus. Say, Jesus, bring me back to my first love, which is you. Jesus said, I, I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go for this. I'm about to close. Jesus exhorted the Ephesians church to do three things. I want you to put that up in the, in the screen, if the, well, if, if it's up. The, 
Jesus exhorted, and I'm about to call the worship team up, but I want you to listen. Jesus exhorted the Ephesians church to do three things to return to their first love. Everybody say three. Everybody say three. Everybody say three. All right. Jesus said, this is, you know what I love about Jesus, guys? Is that Jesus doesn't rebuke, tell John to rebuke the church without giving them an answer how to solve the problem. He could have just said, look, tell them I'm not happy uh, about them losing their first love, and go ahead and tell them I'm mad right now. He didn't say that. He said, I'm not okay. I have this against this revival church. They've lost their first love. But, but then he says, I'm going to give you three things of how to restore that love. Okay? Now, so don't worry about that. We're having some technical difficulties. Now, I want you to see this in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. If, our, if, if you guys could have it up on the screen, it's fine. If not, no worries. Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. Look at it in your Bibles. And I'm closing. Look at this. I'm going to give you three things that Jesus said. He said, nevertheless... I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Are you ready? Remember. Say remember. Therefore, where you have fallen. Repent. Everybody say repent. Ooh. That stung a little bit, right? Repent. Right? And do the first works. Say do the first works. Jesus said three things to the Ephesians church. Number one, he says, if you want to get back to your first love, this is... Guys, what I'm about to say is so powerful. I meditated on this. Number one, he said remember. Everybody say remember. There's powerful things that happen when you engage your memory. Jesus actually said, I want you to physically go back in time and remember, remember when you and I used to be close. Because when you remember those things, it will draw you. And then, you, then Jesus is paraphrasing and saying, okay, when you go back in your mind 10 years ago or 5 years ago or 15 years ago, and I want you to remember. Do you remember, son? Do you remember, daughter, when you were on fire for me? Yes, I, got, I remember now. I remember. Because sometimes we get so busy that we block those moments out. But Jesus says, I want you to remember. I want you to remember. I want you to go to your past and think about the encounters that you and I have. Why? Because it will provoke you to say, where am I at now? He actually says, do you remember? I want you to remember. Everybody say remember. Because when you remember, here's what's going to happen. When you remember, it will, it will be a, a call to ask yourself this question. If I was on fire then, what am I doing differently now? I tell people all the time, they go, I've, I've lost my fire. And I said, okay. I, I simple. I go, what were you doing back then? What do you mean? I go, remember. I want you to remember what you were doing when you were on fire. Well, and, and it's so simple. They answer their own questions. What were you doing? Well, you know, I, I have two jobs now. So I have, okay, so I'm just asking. I'm not giving you condemnation. What happened when you were on fire for God? What was your reality? I was plugged into a connect group. I, was, uh, I had a job. I, I would come to church community, and I would spend time with God. I had time to spend time with God. I go, okay, what's your reality now? I got two jobs, and I still love God, but, you know, my time is very limited. I can't come to church that much. My job is requiring me to do this. You're answering your own question when you remember. Do you know that I did a study? Jesus calls people to remember, a call to remember, 80 times or so in the Bible. 80, around 80 times the Bible says remember. No, you, we, we've been taught as a church don't remember your past. Yes, don't remember your past when it's something that God forgave you. Don't remember it. God forgave you. But you need to remember your past when you need to activate something that you lost. 
Ooh, that's a good word. When you, when you need to activate. At times when I remember how close I was with Jesus, when I didn't have any responsibility, you know what that makes me do? It doesn't make me run away from God. It makes me want to have more of God. But it's, but it's not okay that we're in a distance. Can I hear an amen? Do you remember? It's like, do you remember the joy of abandonment? Think about that. The joy of abandonment when you gave all to God. I remember years ago when I was in the house of prayer, I saw so many young people. They called it, I'm wasting my life in prayer, right? I don't like that phrase, wasting. I like the fact, like, I'm investing my life with God. But I would see young people for hours, hours, spend time with Jesus. And you know what I would tell them? I said, guys, because they were in an internship, I said, guys, remember this day, because you may never get this for the rest of your life. What do you mean? I said, four or five months that you don't have to go to a job, that you don't have to go, that you don't have to, and you're just sitting in a room engaging God out of what happens in these months will fuel you for 20, 30 years to come. I still have, I still pull from the wells in me that I learned from Benny Hens years ago of the Holy Spirit and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. What God does in those private times is like supernatural jet fuel that will carry you through your tough times. So he says, remember, right? The second thing he says, we could have the worship team come up, please. We have the worship team come up. The second thing that Jesus says to the Ephesians church is repent. Everybody say repent. Everybody say repent. That means turn away from the way that you are living now. And stop putting ministry and activity before your pursuit of Jesus. I'm going to say that one more time. Remember. Everybody say remember. Okay, say remember. I wasn't planning on doing this, but I want everyone to close your eyes. I wasn't planning. This is not in my notes, okay? I want everyone to close your eyes right now. Everyone, please, please. Oh, yes, Lord. I want you to remember the times you were the most on fire in your love for Jesus. I don't want you to, to, to pretend. I don't want you to pretend like you have it all together. We're all messed up in here, okay, <laughs> including me. So let's, let's take our mask off. And I want you to close your eyes and say, and remember, remember, when were you weeping in the presence of the Lord because you, you, you were pouring your love out on him? When were those moments the most alive in you? And then I want you to remember what was currently in your life at that time that is not currently in your life now. Whether it's a troublesome past that happened, whether it's a, a significant incident that happened in your life that made you not do this, whether it's uh, a hurt, whatever it is. What was back then that is not in your life now? Is it over busyness? Is it hurt? Is it pain? Is it disappointment? Is it sickness? Is it physical sickness? Is it overworking to try to make ends meet? All these are good stuff. But I want you to think about the times when you were so abandoned that you loved God consistently. And I want you to think in your head, what was in my life then versus what is in my life now? 
Okay? Now open your eyes. Open your eyes. You get a picture of what you need to do then to pursue that, to get that. Why do I say this? Because it sounds super simple, but Jesus said that. He said, John, tell them. Before he told them to repent, he told them to remember. He says, remember. Remember where you have fallen from. Then he says, number two, repent. In other words, turn around. Ask God for forgiveness. It's simple. Lord, I've been too busy. Lord, I've allowed ministry of my job. I've allowed my, my physical body. I've allowed my marriage. I've allowed relationships. I've allowed, listen, I've, I have allowed realities in my heart and my life to, watch this, justify how busy I am because I'm doing it for you. Right? He said, repent. He said, go back. Sorry. Turn away from the way you're, you're, you're living now and stop putting ministry and activities or things first. You know the third thing he said? This is so powerful. Simple. He said, the third thing he said, it was in your notes, but it's the, uh, the screens are not working right now. It says, do the first works. Everybody say first works. Say first works. Now, look what Jesus said. Three things. Three things to get Ephesians church back into fiery love. Remember? Repent. Do what you used to do. Remember? Ooh. You can still attain that. Remember? Repent. Do what you used to do. Simple. Remember. See, but, but don't come back without remembering. Because that remembering is that wooing that will draw you back. Remember. Before you were so busy, how you used to cry with me. Remember those adventures we took together, the Lord would say to you. Remember those adventures that we took. Remember when you used to laugh and, and you were in the car and you were in the stoplight and you were singing and the person next door in the stoplight thought that you were crazy because you were just shouting out. Remember when you used to shake when nobody was, sh I, I did that the other day. I go, oh, come on, Holy Ghost. I did, I did. I go, oh, that's so good. My wife could tell you I'll be studying and the Lord will give me revelation. I go, come on. I'll be a little, ugh. by myself. Come on, when's the last time you did this by yourself? You're like, oh, oh. Remember, watch, remember, repent. In other words, you know what? Yeah, you are talking to me. Yeah, I am doing a lot of things for you, but I realize that, watch this, this is in the notes. This is very important. I got to share this with you. I'm going to read it. I have to find it first. Well. Okay. Because the church in Ephesus was still doing lots of effective things to reach people, they did not notice that they were putting ministry before relationship. So guess what? I've said the last thing, the, the, the best for last. It would be one thing if the church in Ephesus was completely backslidden, not doing outreaches, right? Not feeding the poor, not standing up for truth. Why would there be a need for correction then from the Lord? I mean, if you were backslidden, that, hello, that is clear correction antidote from the Lord. But the blinding, deceiving part of Ephesus was they were doing 
good works. And those good works blinded them from the fact that they drifted away from their love for Jesus. Do you know how marriages start ending up in separation when they start drifting apart? And they don't know the elements of how to keep their romance or their relationship intact. And then it becomes, I'm tolerating you, you tolerate to, to the point where some is like, you're roommates. You cook, you eat, go to bed, go to work. That is not, let me, let me pause. That is exactly how some of us, our relationship looks for, in the spirit realm to Jesus. Wake up, do our duties for the Lord, tithe, check off that mark list that we went to church, and we repeat the same cycle. That is not of. That is duty. Let me tell you something. Religion says duty, duty, duty. Relationship says love, love, love. That's what it's all about. And, I, and I'll, I'll say this. I'll close with this. To do the first works is what the Lord is talking about. And the first letter to the seven churches of Revelation and the first commandment have the same thing. Think about this. The first letter to all the seven churches, by the way, Ephesus was the first church that Jesus spoke about, all right? The first letter to the first church uh, that Jesus was addressing in Revelation 40 years later, it has the same thing of the first and greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, your mind and strength. I want to pause and say this. I could go on, but I just feel the Holy Spirit saying stop. I want to just say this. There's some of you in this room that you are operating with head knowledge. Hear, hear me. I feel this from the Your relationship with God is head knowledge. In other words, you know what's right and what's wrong. And it's a treadmill that you're walking on. It's like, okay, I know how to do this. I know how to lift my hands. I know it's a sin to do that. And I know that the Lord wants me to do that. But you're operating on head knowledge or you're operating because you're forced to be here. And the Lord wants to change that today. He wants you to fall in love again with the Lord. He wants the Ephesians church to return to how it used to be in Acts chapter 19 when they were all so fiery and so in love with God that the whole city whole city gave up every incantation and evil that they've been secretly reading and investing and burned them. Guys, that's true revival. Revival doesn't happen when manifestations happen. Revival happens when love is restored. Let's stand up, please. Come on. I know this is not a shouting message per se. But your spirit should be shouting on the inside. I want you, in just a few moments, we're going to sing this song. I want everyone to close your eyes. And I want you to lift up your hands just for a quick second. Come on. I don't want you to get used to it. See, we get so used to church that even this, even this is hard for us to do. We're so used to the next thing. Okay, he's going to have an altar call. He's going to tell me to lift up my hands. Stop thinking that way. Act like a little child again and say, Lord, where have... I want you to remember right now. Remember how your walk with God was when you first got born again. 
before you had those marital problems, before you had those physical problems, before you had those health problems, before you had those financial problems, come on, I'm speaking to you guys, before the world was trying to draw you away, do you remember those tears? Do you remember those times? Do you remember those times where a song used to come on and immediately you would feel the tenderness of the love of God? Now hardly anything moves you. Now the things it will take the building to shake for you to be moved just a little bit. The Lord is calling an Ephesians church here at RCC. If we're going to be an Ephesians church, we got to see both sides of it. Number one, that if we can still be fiery today, could we sustain that same fiery love for Jesus throughout the generations to come? Examine your life right now. Remember, repent, do the first fruits. First works. Remember, repent, and do what you used to do. I have a prophetic word for RCC this morning. Do what you used to do when you were the most on fire for me. You want to know, you want to know the prophetic word? What was in your life when you were the most fire for me? What were you eliminating in those seasons that you're not eliminating now? And I want you to return. Come on, lift up your hands right now all over this, all over this place. Come on. Take me back to yes. my first love, yes. Jesus. Yes. Where you opened the door and I ran right in. Where I could hear your voice tonight and let go. Back to my first love, Jesus. When I locked my gaze on your piercing face, and I could see your light amidst the shadows. Stand where I always wanted to be in the open spaces of your glory. Standing tall, shouting your Remember the threshold. Come on, open your heart up. Where we're standing, face don't harden your heart. Come on, let the song be your heart cry. Where your eyes fire burn deep inside of me. You whisper, and when you whisper my name, I Come on, let's just worship the Lord right now. I feel like we need to just worship the Lord with this song. And I want you to make that decision in just a couple minutes. He's talking to the Ephesus church. And prophetically, prophetically, we are the spiritual Ephesus church here at RCC. That was given by the Lord. But the Lord has given us a window, a prophetic window to look into the future. And look into our present. And saying, do we still have passionate love for Jesus come on come on I want everyone in this room as we worship the Lord just right now I want this to be your anthem and I want you to think before we end and we pray here we are Lord here we are thank you for tuning into our podcast for more information about us please visit remnantchristiancenter.com